You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdet Nation? Welcome to Locked On Saints, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ross Jackson here on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC, your host covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, like nobody else does it every single Monday through Friday. Lead analyst over at AllSaintsConsidered.com. Welcome all of our first-time listeners, as well as to those of you who have been supporting me from the jump, Houdet family, and welcome to this week's final episode of Locked On Saints. Unless you get another bonus episode this weekend, we'll see how training camp goes on Friday. Today, I'm here, though, to give you the latest on Saints training camp. The Saints were back at it on Thursday after taking Wednesday off. I'll tell you who stood out and what we learned with Michael Thomas returning to camp. Then we'll talk about the four Saints that made the NFL's top 100 players of 2019 list, and I'll tell you four more that should have made it. And then we'll wrap up with a look around the league, including a look at how Michael Thomas's new shiny contract is already affecting the NFL. We got all that and a little bit of lanyard for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints, your team every day. Now let's go ahead and jump into our lead story of the day, recapping Thursday's return to training camp. So of course, the big news from Thursday was that Michael Thomas, the Saints' highest paid wide receiver in history, the NFL's highest paid wide receiver in history, just got his $20 million per year contract, which includes $61 million guaranteed and $20 million just for signing the contract. He and Cam Jordan had a lot of fun after the practice with a uh, fun presser in which Cam Jordan asked him a bunch of questions about how he's liking his money so far. But so Michael Thomas returns, and one of the big questions sort of centering around his return was how would he look going into training camp after missing an entire week? Well, it looked like he didn't miss a beat at all. He opened up practice by catching a pass from Drew Brees on a slant route and also took a dig for a big gain later on. So the chemistry between Brees and Thomas is clearly still very strong, as is Michael Thomas's work ethic. Despite getting the big, shiny, brand new contract, he still stayed for a while after practice to put in some extra work with the jug machine, just working on his hands, getting the sort of the catch rhythm down for himself a little more as well. And it was fun to see him and Marshawn Lattimore go at it. Marshawn Lattimore also had a huge day, including three pass breakups for the third year corner against Michael Thomas alone, just working against Michael Thomas. He had three pass breakups there. He had an outstanding practice. He lost some of those one-on-one stats with Thomas, but came back really strong throughout the remainder of practice. No interceptions for him so far through six training camp sessions, but he looked excellent on Thursday. Uh, You can already really see that Michael Thomas effect taking hold. These guys just plain make each other better. Uh, Trey Hendrickson also impressed on Thursday. He's looking like the front runner for the third defensive end spot right now. He usually rotates with Cam Jordan, but might find an additional rotational role with Marcus Davenport, which will keep him on the field a little bit more in 2019. The third year edge rusher had three sacks in practice, uh, and this will be big, and including if he's able to improve in the run game, which is where he usually struggles. That and also keeping himself healthy and out on the field is going to be a big, big, big part of his sort of prog- uh, progress heading into the 2019 season, getting him the opportunity to be out there and share some snaps at both of those defensive end spots, which would be great for him. Uh, Dan Arnold gets the highlight play of the day with a leaping catch over Vince Beagle in team drills. The pass is thrown by Taysom Hill, who did a great job just taking advantage of the six foot six tight end 
Ravens height. Got some injury updates for you. Emmanuel Butler not present on Thursday. If the injury isn't bad, it still wouldn't shock me that they're just letting Butler rest a little bit, especially with Michael Thomas coming back into the fold. Alizé Mack also out uh, from his injury that he suffered on Tuesday. Uh, Latavius Murray and Marcus Williams did return. They were there for the indoor stretching portion of practice, but did not participate outside in the drills. So Divine Zigbo and Dwayne Washington to con- continue to get more looks at running back with Murray out and uh, with Riddick having signed with the Denver Broncos. Chris Banjo, though, took the free safety snaps in place of Marcus Williams. Armstead rested on Thursday as well after his injury on Tuesday. So he gets a little bit of an extra day of rest there. Marshall New house got the snaps in his place. Keith Kirkwood is a new injury, walked off the field with training staff on Thursday. Traven Durrell in turn got some extra snaps in his place, made a pretty nice play on a Taysom Hill connection. We'll be looking at that Keith Kirkwood injury moving forward, however. After practice, Coach Payton gave a lengthy presser and took some time to uh, give some praise to some guys, including Dwayne Washington, Trey Hendrickson, Eric McCoy, and David Onyemata for their progress so far in camp. Going into Friday's practice, some of the big things we're going to be looking for is, of course, the continued work of Michael Thomas, now that he's back in practice, will Emmanuel Butler be back? Teron Armstead, some of these injury updates. How bad is it for Keith Kirkwood? If at all, will he be back as well? So lots of storylines to follow through on Friday's camp. And just a reminder that on Friday, if you're going to be there, make sure you seek me out. I'll be wearing a mint green shirt. Should be really easy to find me. Say hi. Would love to meet any listeners that are out there. All right, y'all. Up next, we're going to be taking a look at the NFL Top 100 Players of 2019 list. I'll tell you about the four Saints that made the list and four more that should have made it. But real quick, make sure that you are listening to the new Locked On NFL podcast. You're a smart Saints fan. You want to know everything that's going on around the landscape of the NFL. This is the best way to do it every single Monday through Friday. Whatever's going on in the NFL, these guys have you covered with expert analysis from former NFL scout Matt Williamson, as well as being hosted by Brian Peacock. Locked On NFL is your daily national podcast on all things NFL with Matt's unique take on the game. All right, Huda Nation. In a moment, we're going to be talking about some of the big stories from around the league, including the Falcons just doing the usual Falcon thing and their opening game of the preseason with the Hall of Fame game on Thursday night. But first, let's jump into this NFL players, top 100 NFL players of 2019 list. So the four Saints that did make the list and their positions, Cam Jordan, number 41, Alvin Kamara, 14, Michael Thomas, 13, Drew Brees, number two. Now, I'm going to say a little something about the the lat that lowest ranking and the highest ranking here. Cam Jordan at 41 is just criminally underranked. Let's let's look at this as as a group here. It's nice to see that every Saints player that made it made it within the top 50, but there are some glaring omissions here from the Saints team that should have been in the top 100 at least in my opinion. And then also Cam Jordan at number 41 is just laughable considering that he somehow dropped from 26 on the 2018 list. Drew Brees at number 2, he was also the highest ranked offensive player going into 2019. I'm not mad at that. Actually, I like seeing Drew Brees get a little bit of recognition here. Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, 14 and 13. That makes them, you know, that puts them within the top 15 amongst some other edge rushers and quarterbacks. Pretty much everyone within the top 10 was a quarterback or an edge rusher. And then you had Todd Gurley and a couple of receivers sprinkled in there as well. So seeing Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas outside of the top 10 doesn't surprise me because the top 10 is probably going to be quarterbacks, edge rushers, that kind of thing. And of course, Aaron Donald, number one player in the NFL. There's no, there's really no doubting that at all. That shouldn't take anyone by surprise. So let's take a look at the four Saints that I think could have or really should have also been mentioned within the top 100. Now, these could be players that fall within 
and 100 to 50. It could also be within the top 50. I'm going to kind of leave that up to y'all and what you think. And I'd love to hear if there are any other players, because there are some other players I'm not going to talk about here that I've seen other people make arguments about should have been included in the top 100. So if you have anybody that you feel should be included there, go ahead and call the Locked on Saints listener line at 504-229-4265. Tell me who and why they should have been included in the top 100. I'm going to give you four right now. So let's start with my man, Demario Davis, the best offseason acquisition for the Saints altogether last offseason, particularly within free agency, if you want to limit it at all. But Demario Davis was just an incredible addition, really helped to turn the defense around. You've heard me talk about him here on the podcast before, but let's run through some of the things that I think make him qualified to have been within the top 100. Uh, Amongst qualified players from this position, off-ball linebackers, I'm not looking at edge-rushing linebackers here, Demario was top five in sacks, quarterback hits, and pass rush productivity, as well as PFF's run defense and pass rushing grade. So he was top five in all of those. When he wasn't top five in those, he was also top 10 in tackles for a loss, total pressures, and yards per reception allowed. And that's just the stats from week one through 17. We can also kind of put a magnifying glass to it and look at just the back half of the season when the Saints defense really, really stepped up. And he was able to maintain his pass rushing efficiency while also improving as a run defender. And then he, of course, was also a huge part of the intangible side and helping the Saints defense communicate and play like a more cohesive unit. And he was even ranked number 98 in CBS's top 100 list. So when you look at that, you could easily see Demario Davis finding his way into the top 100 NFL players of 2019 list here by NFL Network or NFL.com. Number two here, I'm going to talk about offensive lineman Ryan Ramchek. This dude continues to get snubbed. Pro Bowl snubs, all pro snubs, this list snubs, snubs on snubs for Ryan Ramchick, but that's all right. That's going to get better for him throughout his career. Uh, he's the seventh ranked offensive lineman per pro football focus, fifth ranked tackle, third best tackle in run blocking grade, and then sixth fewest pressures allowed when you rank offensive linemen with 800 or more snaps. Top 10 in pass blocking efficiency. His book in Tron Armstead could also have made this list too, were it not for his injury issues toward the end of the season, but the Saints were voted as having the best tackle tandem in the NFL going into 2019 and gave up some of the fewest sack, one of the fewest sack totals in 2019 as well, and Ryan Ramchick was a big part of that. I mentioned that this is going to get better for him throughout his career because he is sure to have a very, very good career moving forward to kind of, you know, eliminate all of this underratedness that's going on with him. Uh, Number three, I'm going to throw tight end Jared Cook in there. I know he didn't play with the Saints last season, but even just playing with the Raiders, third in overall and receiving grades in pro football focus, third ranked in yards per catch and yards after catch, uh, yes, yards after catch per reception, top five in yards, touchdowns, yards after catch, and first downs. Everyone ahead of him in those categories, every other tight end, was targeted at least 29 more times with 20 more receptions clearly a top tight end in 2018 and a much improved offensive situation going into 2019. All four of those tight ends that ranked ahead of him, the ones that I mentioned that had 29 more targets and 20 more receptions were named to the list, but Jared Cook being equally as productive on less opportunity, not named to the list at all. And I think that he 
should have been there. And then the final one that I'm going to name here, like I said, there are more. And if there are other ones that you want to contribute to, I would love for you to call the Locked on Saints listener line 504-229-4265. Leave a message. Tell me who else and why they should be ranked on the top 100 list. Or if you want to add anything to the guys that I'm mentioning, you can do that too. So the last one I'm going to mention is Marshawn Lattimore. I know he struggled a little bit toward the beginning of last season, but really turned it on when it mattered. I'm going to talk about that. He made the list in 2018 at number 82. I'd have been fine with him repeating in 2019 around that same place. While he did struggle early on in the season, he was still a very good cornerback. One of only three to not allow a touchdown during the last half of the season, despite playing the fifth most coverage snaps during that time and being one of the fewer corners that actually played 10 games over those weeks because a lot of the other corners had one of the late bye weeks. He also showed up the most when it mattered in the playoffs. He allowed the lowest NFL passer rating of every corner regardless of snap count with a 32.7. When you consider 70 coverage snaps or more, he was also number two then in snaps per reception and third least targeted. He allowed the fewest receptions and was tied for the most interceptions with Stephon Gilmore, who was the highest ranked corner on the 2019 list. I think Marshawn Lattimore should have been on this list, and I was really disappointed to see him not make it at all, even toward the back half of the list. I was really disappointed not seeing him there. And he, to me, is probably one of the larger snubs outside of Ryan Ramchek on this list. So those are the four that made it. And in my opinion, four more that should have made it. Again, if you would like to contribute to this list, go ahead and call the Locked on Saints listener line 504-229-4265. Leave a message. And if your take is really good, because I need you to tell me who it is and why you'll be featured here on the podcast. Love doing that, especially during this part of the offseason when I can make the show just as much about you as it is about me and my coverage of the Saints. So please feel free to give a call to the line so you can hear yourself here on the show. All right, to close out the show, we're going to take a look at some of the other stories from around the league, including the Falcons being the Falcons and how Michael Thomas's contract is already affecting the NFL. All right, y'all, we are going to close out today's show by taking a look around the league. And we have to start off with the fact that football is back. Yes, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of back. The Denver Broncos taking on the Atlanta Falcons at Tom Benson Stadium. RIP, Mr. B. Uh, You know, this is one of those games to where, you know, the Hall of Fame induction ceremony is this weekend. A couple of teams whose players are represented in the Hall of Fame class get to play against one another. Champ Bailey, of formerly of the Broncos, is one of of the people in that class, Tony Gonzalez, who played with the Falcons, also in that class, although he's more reputable as a Chiefs tight end, but did have some great years uh, with the Falcons and had probably his best quarterback in Matt Ryan. Uh, Let's just be real. So uh, when it comes to the game and how the game went, the big thing for me and the biggest takeaway was that the Falcons did their usual thing. Now, this is the preseason. This is even kind of pre-preseason, right? The Hall of Fame game is a game that exists outside of the preseason. There are only two two teams that play five games over the preseason, and that's going to be these two teams. So when you look at it, there's not a lot to take away from these games except for, uh, you know, depth position battles, things like that. This is the opportunity for coaches and even fans to see who they like out of the guys that are, you know, uh, third uh, third in the depth chart, you know, but that you want to see actually perform at game speed. So we're starting to see that now. This is very exciting for me. I love this part of the season because, and for Saints fans, we usually always love this part of the season because this is an opportunity for us to really see some of those guys toward the back half of the roster because we care about that. You know, a lot of Saints fans this entire offseason, the 
biggest concern has been the third defensive end, the third running back, and the third tight end, right? So when you look at that, um, this is a really prime time to be able to see some of those guys. So that will come. Uh, Saints will play their first preseason game August 9th at home in the Dome against the Minnesota Vikings. But let's talk about this Hall of Fame game because it was classic Falcons. As far as I'm concerned, you can take anybody that participated in this game and put them on the Falcons 53-man roster because they already know the game plan, blow leads. They already know how this goes. So the, uh, the, the Broncos jumped out to an early start, 7-0 in the first quarter. But by the half, the Falcons had come back and tied it up. In the third quarter, the Falcons took the lead, 10-7. And then with one minute and 29 seconds left, the Falcons blew the lead. The go-ahead touchdown came from Brett Ripien to rookie wide receiver Jawan Winfrey on a 15-yard pass and catch. It was tipped in the end zone, and Winfrey was just able to track it, make the catch over at the sideline, and that sort of put... That, that just sort of sealed the deal for what this game ended up being. So 14 to 10, the Broncos get the win there. Now, let's talk about some actual Atlanta Falcons news that is is actually really pertinent to Saints fans. One of the big things that we've talked about a lot about the Falcons offseason was the fact that they traded back into the first round to take a second offensive lineman and Caleb McGarry, who's very good, don't get me wrong, but they probably could have stayed put in the second round and still gotten him where he was. Now, they're going to end up missing him very likely for about six to eight weeks. Timetable is a little short on this, but we'll we'll see what's going on. He's actually getting a procedure done uh, in his heart, which he's actually had done a few times. So this might be something that ends up being a little chronic. This is the third time he's had this procedure done. The last time that he had it done, he missed six to eight weeks was his return timetable. So you can kind of expect it to be somewhere around there. It might even be a little bit longer. I don't know if this is something to where the recovery time gets longer every time that you do this, or it might be quite the opposite. You might actually get a little bit more used to it, or it might just be pretty static all the way across. Either way, Caleb McGarry should be available for the Saints' first game against the Falcons as they host them in Week 10. However, it's going to be really, really rusty. And this offensive line for the Falcons is already a big question mark. They spent so much money on on this offensive line stashing some guys that actually aren't really like league starter material and then they ended up drafting rookies and Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry. Caleb McGarry's gonna miss a lot of time and so he's gonna be a little rusty when he comes back so I don't know that they're really gonna thrust him in to a situation to where he's having to play against the Saints defensive line which is gonna be potentially full power by them because Sheldon Rankins could potentially be back by week 10 even if he starts the 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 uh the year on the physically unable to perform list. So this is gonna be a good game for the Saints defensive line potentially especially if they're having to shuffle around their the especially if the Falcons are having to start to shuffle around their offense around this rookie and his new procedure as well as any other injuries that they might suffer along the offensive line as well so definitely a storyline to follow up with and to keep an eye on and in the close out the show today let's talk a little bit about how Michael Thomas's new contract is already affecting the NFL we've talked a lot about Julio Jones Tyreek Hill Amari Cooper potentially even you can make the argument for DeAndre Hopkins when he his new contract comes around. It'll be a it'll be a later contract for him, though, so we'll see. But this is going to send a little bit of a ripple effect through. The Saints were the first team in the NFL to pay a quarterback over $20 million a year. They're now the first team in the NFL to pay a wide receiver $20 million per year. And now it's about to start taking place all over the NFL, and it might start in Atlanta. Now, this has turned into a little bit of a Falcon segment, but this is all, all relatable for Saints fans because there's a huge difference between paying Michael Thomas $20 million a year and Julio Jones $20 million 
million dollars per year. Now, don't get me wrong. Julio Jones has been an excellent wide receiver for a very long time. He just went over 1,600 yards in 2018, led the league in receive in receiving yards. But he's also only one year removed from you know going over 1,400 yards, only having three touchdowns. He had eight touchdowns last season, 51 total in his career so far. The big one of the biggest differences between these two guys and paying these two guys this much money, Michael Thomas is 26 years old going into his fourth season. Julio Jones at the end of this season is 31 years old, which is when his extension would kick in. So if they are going to, and apparently uh, the reports are saying that they are willing to make him the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL, which means that they would break the 20 million per year mark. They would go above that. That extension won't even kick in until he's 31 years old. So what are you going to do? Are you going to give him a one year, $20 million contract, a two year, $40 million contract, or I guess $42 million contract, something like that? I don't I don't like the idea personally of handicapping your team for a 31 year old wide receiver. The Saints are about to open up a ton of cap space because more than likely this is the end of Drew Brees' tenure with the Saints. More than likely this is the last year. And we've seen that since the beginning of the season. Some of the gestures he's made, the Zion Williamson gestures, the contracts, everything like that. You can see it, right? So this feels like this is probably Drew Brees' last season. So giving Michael Thomas $20 million is fine because you have the cap room to do it. And when you pay Teddy Bridgewater, you're not going to be paying him as much as you've been paying Drew Brees. So you're going to free up that cap space. The cap does go up every year, which is valid also for the Atlanta Falcons. The cap is rising every year, but I'm just not really in the game of going of giving a historic contract to a 31-year-old wide receiver that doesn't score touchdowns. So, right, y'all, that does it for this week's episodes of Locked on Saints. Thank you so much for being here with me throughout this exciting week. This has been an incredible week for the podcast. We literally doubled our highest daily listens going into this week. So, y'all have been incredible. Thank you so much for all your support. And again, if this is your first time listening to the podcast or if you're relatively new, hit the subscribe button. Stick with me all throughout the rest of training camp, preseason, regular season. Promise you won't regret it. A lot of fun over here at Locked on Saints. And we have a lot of big things coming around the corner for the Locked on Podcast Network as well. So you're going to want to be a part of that. So don't miss it. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button, drop the five-star rating, all that to help keep us going and help keep us visible to other Saints fans. Once again, I will be at the training camp session on Friday morning. So if you're there, find me. Again, mint green shirt. Try to wear something bright to make sure that you're able to find me pretty easily. Holla at me. Let me know how you're doing, how you're momming them, all of the good stuff. Uh, thanks everybody so much for coming through. Once again, I am Rush Jackson. You can find me on Twitter at Rush Jackson ASC hit me up let me know how the family's doing let me know how you're living let me know how your mom and them tell your friends family and fellow saints fans about the show if you haven't already go ahead and subscribe and drop that five-star review thank you so much for all your support and for helping me grow this family this has been locked on saints and trust who that nation i'll holla at you